Super Nerd Podcast, the adventure that brings you the latest nerd news and rumors from movies, TV, entertainment, and sometimes science. You name it, if it is nerdy, we are talking about it. And tonight's main event is Thor, Love and Thunder, Nerd Out. I'm your host, Austin, and with me, as always, is the amazing Amanda. Hey! And the wild, elusive, Jekka. Hey folks, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate all of you. We're going to be talking all sorts of cool, fun stuff. Obviously, Thor Love and Thunder later, but we're also going to be talking the first official Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power full trailer that was just released. Uh, we're going to be talking Deadpool 3. Apparently, it's going to be a fish out of water story. And we're going to be talking the brand new released images from NASA's James Webb Telescope and a whole lot more. So make sure to hit that podcast subscribe button. We would love to nerd out with you each and every week. And if you've already hit that podcast subscribe button, you know what I'm going to say to you. We love you guys. Plus 10 nerd XP to you. And for everyone else, as soon as you hit that podcast subscribe button, you too can earn my love, affection, and <laughs> nerd XP. Nerd XP. You're throwing off my groove. <laughs> I don't know. I decided to just throw that in there. So, as long as you're the, not the emperor, we can do that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> in the meantime, oh, Jekka, what's nerdy with you? Um. So one of my my friends, who's my neighbor, she's the awesome lady that I've been taking care of her three cats, or I've taken care of her three cats a couple times. Um. She started following our podcast and subscribe nice. to it so thank you neve for listening to us i neve. look forward like yeah neve she's it's irish like, i love her name so neve there you go i love your name <laughs> and i always text it to you but i love your name so here it is everyone knows now <laughs> well thanks for listening neve in fact i'll give you specifically a hundred xp nerd xp <laughs> <laughs> nice she deserves it she's super cool yeah. it's great fun and her cats are awesome. Nice. You know, cats. I mean, everyone knows I freak out when I see so, a cat so, come across. So how did, how did the podcast come up in conversation with Neve? Um, what was it? Like, I think, like, I always just random, like, people will just ask me, you know, like, oh, what are your plans? Or, that's how it was. It was, um, okay. she asked me what were my plans for that evening. I was like, oh, I'm going to be doing my podcast. And she was like, what? <laughs> what is oh. this? So, cool. yeah, I told her about it, you know, pulled it up on Spotify, showed her what it, the icon looks like. And she was like, cool. But yeah, she told yeah. me that she would listen to um, when we nerded out over Cobra Kai season four. Mm, that was the yes. first one she started listening to because she and her partner had just finished watching it. So. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I've actually gotten a lot of uh, feedback that people sometimes they don't uh, watch things in time to, uh, you know, uh listen to our podcast during its initial release and they go back because they just finished some series or they finally watched some movie and they want to nerd out with us. And we love that. So yeah, that's a lot, so a lot of fun. A lot of cool. So things. this just reminds me of my shameless self-promotion that I did for one of my friends. <laughs> Please share your shameless self-promotion. <laughs> so we will have to do more shameless self-promoting. No, what did you do? Tell me. Well, I've already told him on the podcast. I do. I do remember this. 
What, yeah. Was this uh, at the park bench yes. or something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I also <laughs> told, so my cousin and her family were out visiting as well. And they like to listen to podcasts. And I was like, oh, I like to listen to, I, I'm on a podcast kind of thing. I, I don't listen to podcasts. I'm on a podcast. Yeah. And they were like, oh, what is it? And so they were asking me like, which of our podcasts they should listen to for their drive back home. Cause they're doing like a big road trip back. Sure. And I was like the superhero smackdowns. I was like, <laughs> well, listen, the superhero smackdowns are especially fun. Like I wanted to recommend the stranger things one, but they are not caught up with it. Okay. At all. Sure. Yeah. So I was like, the superhero smackdowns are for sure safe. You know? Yeah. We, uh, on our podcast calendar, we've got another superhero smackdown coming up in two weeks. It seems like we keep pushing that off from time to time. Just just real life gets in the way and messes up the schedule. But uh, we've got another one right around the corner, and uh, we look forward to doing that. That'll be a lot of fun. So, all right. Well, cool. All right, Amanda, what's what's nerdy with you? So I'm dying here because I'm the only person that's on the podcast today that has been keeping up with Ms. Marvel. And for those who have seen it, now, we're going to be talking that next week, actually, on we the podcast. We are. And so I can't really say any more, just that the very end is like Marvel MCU, like, shattering. Like. So. Mind-blown. Mind-blowing. Like, epically MCU changing. Oh, boy. <laughs> Now, now I'm getting excited to watch this. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, like, it's that that uh, that big. So obviously, that big. so we're obviously uh, going to be binging <laughs> that seeds or series over the next week, and we're talking about next week on the podcast. But Miss so. um, Marvel has been great the whole run. Yeah. I've really enjoyed it. But yeah, it, yeah. I was actually. Uh, reading an article headline the other day. I didn't actually read the full article, but it was saying so that it Miss Marvel is like the best uh, or the highest rated uh, MCU television show. I would not be surprised. Yeah. It is so well done and it, it's just been phenomenal. Well, as of right now, I would probably say Loki is probably my favorite of the uh, MCU TV shows so far. See, Moon Knight for me. Oh, Moon Knight. I think that was really good. Yeah, I, I actually like both of those more than Ms. Marvel, but at the same time, like Ms. Marvel was really well done. I think I just like the storylines yeah. of those better. But Ms. Marvel is so well put together, so well done, and has been really great. Huh. Okay. Well, I look forward to watching it now for real now. So, okay, I got something to share. So my brother Nathan got a chance to uh, come out here to Denver, spent uh, spent a number of days with him. We did some pretty cool stuff. We went to uh, we went to Garden of the Gods, which is a uh, really yeah really cool rock formation. What would you call it, Amanda? Like it's a just, rock formation. Yeah, just just a whole bunch of rock formations. These are tall rock formations. They're like a good like well. The, 60 feet tall. The or rock something. formation is so large. It has a national park. It, it's a park in Colorado Springs, and it is the same rock formation in Denver, in the Denver area yeah. called Red Rocks. It's the yeah, same Red rock Rocks formation. Amphitheater. Yeah. 
So we went down to Garden of the Gods, and we also took a little trip to the Air Force Academy down there. We I'd never been uh, to their visitor center. I've been on uh, the academy a few times, but not the visitor center. And then and then we went to probably the uh, the coolest of the things we did. We went to uh, the top of Pikes Peak, which is a uh, a mountain that's fourteen thousand like one hundred feet tall. Dang, and, well, feet above. Yeah, um, and what? Well, that's the elevation. Fourteen thousand one hundred feet. Yeah, the elevation. Tall. Yeah. And um, and we didn't hike it. We we drove to the top. We you know we got six kids. Uh, so we're, there's no way yeah. we're, Our we're there's no five. There's, she's not making yeah we're walk. not we're making a we're not making a five year old hike a fourteen er <laughs> so we drove to the top and it was kind of crazy like I got uh, I got to admit like I was a little do uh, woozy at the top like uh, loopy you know there's you you're only at sixty percent oxygen and now and the crazy thing was um, you know my brother from Iowa. Uh, you know, he's not used to the elevation and, you know, he got to the top and he was actually a little pale looking, you know, his, his color started coming back, but, but yeah, he was a little pale looking. And, um, and what was, what was crazy to think about is so, so here we are, we're all feeling a little loopy, 14,000 feet up and uh, 14,000 feet is not even officially the halfway point of Mount Everest which is 29,000 feet. Yeah. Twice twice what we were at. It's just that's that's mind-boggling to to think about now that I've been at the top of Pike's Peak. And uh, apparently, you know, Pike's Peak 60% oxygen level, Mount Everest is like 30% oxygen level. Just utterly insane. I, I do yeah, have to say um, they put a restaurant on the top of Pikes Peak. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is just absolutely brilliant because you've got people that are so oxygen deprived, they can't tell what's <laughs> good food or not, and they'll just buy whatever. Oh, okay, yeah, Pikes Peaks. Pikes Peaks Foods, just real quick. It was like uh, it was like $100 for food that probably is no better than an elementary school cafeteria. I mean, it's like... It's crazy expensive, so. Yeah, no, in um in Europe along the Alps, they have little they call at least in Italy they call them refugios. But yeah, that's like a place where people can like like kind of a little hotel in at the top of the mountains. Yeah. And they took me like when I was visiting my friends, they took me to one and I mean in Italy, like the food was dang good. But yeah, it was like that was something I was like, this is like my family always joked about wishing there was like a restaurant at the top of the mountains we would hike. And then I went to Italy and I was like, oh my gosh, this is a real thing. I was like, why don't we do that? So I'm very pleased to hear that Pikes Peak does that. <laughs> like, it does exist in the US. Well, I honestly- There are restaurants my, at the top of mountains. <laughs> my my pro tip is to bring your own food <laughs> than, than, pay, than pay that much for elementary school yeah. food. <laughs> well, but it costs that, like it literally costs like, what they charge to get it to the top of the mountain. So no, I, I mean, I understand the, problem. it's like, it's, I mean, you go, you go to a, a ball game and the, uh, you know, the food's always way more expensive in the stadium. Take that. And then just, you know, add another like 20, 30% on top of it. And that's what you expect mm -hmm. to be paying. So anyways, anyways, uh, we got a whole lot of nerd news to cover. So let's get into it. Yeah. 
Many Bothans died to bring us this information. And what is the news that should be on your nerd radar? Well, the first official full trailer for The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, has been released. That's right. Amazon has released a full two-and-a-half-minute trailer for The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, giving us our best look yet at what we can expect. And it actually looks pretty good. Like, it's on... uh, it's on par with the Peter Jackson's uh, movies. It looks that uh, that high of quality. Uh, so if you're if you're not sure what this uh, Rings of Power story is, well, it's set a thousand years before the events of J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, and will take viewers back to an era in which great powers were forged, kingdoms rose to glory and fell to ruin, unlikely heroes were tested, hope hung by the finest of threads, and the greatest villain that ever flowed from Tolkien's pen. Threatened to cover all the world in darkness. Beginning in a time of relative peace, the series follows an ensemble cast of characters, both familiar and new, as they confront the long-feared re-emergence of evil to Middle-earth. From the darkest depths of the Misty Mountains to the majestic forests of the elf, elf capital of Lindon, to the breathtaking island kingdom of Numenor, to the furthest reaches of the map, these kingdoms and characters will carve out legacies that live on long after they're gone. So the series is set to premiere on Amazon Prime, September 2nd, 2022. Let's take a listen to the trailer and we'll talk about it afterwards. Here we go. There was a time when the world was so young. There had not yet been a sunrise. But even then, there was light. have forests to protect. Dwarfs their mines. Mend their fields of grain. But we Harfoots have each other. For I must now wander this wandering We're safe. You have fought long enough, Galadriel. Put up your sword. The enemy is still out there. The question now is where? It is over. You have not seen what I've seen. I have seen my share. You have not seen... ...what I have seen. Darkness will march over the face of the earth. It will be the end, not just of our people, but all peoples. I am sorry, but their time has come. The past is with us all. The past is dead. We either move forward or we die with it. This could be the beginning of a new era.
yeah, I I have high expectations for this. Very high expectations. Yeah. Because of that trailer. And yeah, it does have that, like, it looks like it has that top quality. I mean, I know, like, in the past, as we've been talking about everything leading up to this, that the Tolkien family was not a fan of Percy, or, wow, Percy Jackson. Whew, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we talk a lot about that. I mean, Peter Jackson, <laughs> um, his version of Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. But, you know, that, those cinematography for those movies was amazing. And so this, yeah. What you had said before Austin before we launched yeah. into the trailer like it's very much on I have par. high expectations and I've never had a trailer actually made me want to read the Silmarillion more <laughs> than now I've only read the Silmarillion once and I was like never again like I actually ended up donating my book to a library because I was like I don't think I'll pick this up again and now I'm like actually I'm gonna pick it up again <laughs> well it's gonna, I, the the show's yeah. gonna be a little different so yeah so I mean I do remember reading in the book about the two trees, the gold tree and the silver tree. So when they showed that in the beginning of the trailer, I was like, Ooh, it's the trees, but that's as far as I can remember about their purpose. Yeah. Here is my fair warning because it is Amazon prime and because they made the terrible Lord of the Rings episodes. Wait, Lord of the Rings episodes. Wheel of time. Sorry. Wheel of time. Wheel of time. Sorry. We're talking about Lord of the Rings, but I'm referencing wheel of time. Yeah. The trailers for Wheel of Time, like the, the Lord of the Rings trailers are making me think about the Wheel of Time trailers because they're very similar. Yes. And they were that very has good. me extremely worried. <laughs> nah. I am extremely concerned. My my expectations actually dropped dramatically no. seeing that. No, come they on They did. Now. They dropped no. so dramatically. See, having my expectations high, I'm like, I'm challenging you, Amazon. Are you going to meet them or are you going to flop this as well? Like, you Yeah, but you're not. I mean, Wheel of Time, like they had the advantage. Amazon had the advantage on me with Will and Time in that I hadn't read those books since high school. And so I vaguely remembered parts. So it was more of like they were helping me remember them. But yeah, I just remember at the very end, I was like, hmm, that was weird. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I, I'm trying not to be negative, but I'm like, it did. You're cautious. Look, you've been I'm, burned, and now been you're burned so bad. It you've was been burned. So bad burn. You've been burned, and now you feel uh, you, you can't be vulnerable as vulnerable going into it. So that, <laughs> and the problem is, is it's the same studio, and the shots were so eerily similar. It makes me feel like they reused some stuff. No. Yeah. No, no, yeah. no. Yeah. No. Okay, anyways. <laughs> and so that's what has me worried. This this looks better than the Wheel of Time. I'm sorry. It does. Okay, I will I will It I will does. Go with that. No, I I feel like it's like same level. But then again, like, you know, I'm kind of like pushing Wheel of Time aside. I'm like comparing it more to like the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit movies. Because the thing I I do remember, like, when I was obsessed with all the Lord of the Rings movies coming out, like, the thing that I was so impressed with was the costume design. Like, Mm -hmm. it was astounding. And so, like, the costumes in this look, like, from the trailer, I'm like, hey, they look on, they look along the lines of, like, the effort put into the costumes is along the lines of what I remember from the Lord of the Rings movies. So I'm really hoping, like, yeah. So So, I have to remember, though, is the Wheel of Time, like, 
it, the reason why I compare it to Wheel of Time is because it's the same studio. If it came from Peter Jackson's studio, I'd be willing to compare it to The Lord of the Rings. Um, I, I'd be willing to do that. But this is coming from the same studio that just released Wheel of Time to epic terribleness. Okay, so... So that's... In... It, it gives me the, some of the same feelings the Wheel of Time trailers did. So I'm kind of like... There, there. It's this is going to be a bait and switch. So mm. in the trailer, though, anything stand out to you? Because I'll, I'll admit, there's that scene. I don't know exactly what's going on. It's like this, the it's the red scene where there's like, uh, like it looks like like a couple like a couple hundred people like floating in the air, like they like some sort of explosion happened and and they pause time or whatever. Do you do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea what's going on in that scene. And I paused it. Yeah, go on. And I, I almost wonder if it's some sort of like weird dream sequence with, um, with Sauron's tower, uh, from the Lord that's, of the Rings. Like, yeah, that's the vibe I got from it. Because like the thing we know okay. about Galadriel is she can see into the future, like she has that power to kind of yeah. like foresee the future. Um, at least like like shadows of the future kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that is like a vision she had of like the battle coming up. Cause this, from what I remembered with everything going on, like revolving around this story, this is the rings of power is Sauron creating the rings and then using them to take over. And I expect that this is going to end with, you know, Isildur and Elrond and we may get a little bit of Smeagol in there kind of thing. Um, Oh, really? Because that that's what sense. the story is. It's the rings of power. Like, so yeah. it's yeah. how he's, yeah, Sauron has forged the rings of power and how he uses those to start taking over the world. Um, what stood out to me from the trailer is the Harfoots, because I I think those are a Hobbit family, but I can't remember oh, the Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, I just remember, like, that name is just ringing so many bells, but it's been so long since I've read concerning hobbits and the Silmarillion that I'm like, ooh, but I think it's kind of cool to work in hobbits considering that with like, they seem pretty much not like nobody knew about hobbits until the hot, until Bilbo stepped into the scene, you know? Yeah. But yeah. Well, yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think the, I think it is a new hobbit family. We're going to get more of that. So. Anyway, September 2nd, right around the corner. We'll be talking about that from, on the podcast for sure. All right, moving on. The boys' spinoff is going to be officially be titled Gen V. So the Amazons, the boys' spinoff, officially titled Gen Z, uh, was announced via a video released on social media with the main cast members actually hyping it up. The story for the boys' spinoff is set in America's only college exclusively for young adult superheroes, which is run by the Vought International such, such Corporation. Such a terrible light idea in real life. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, the show is being described as an irreverent R-rated series that explores the lives of hormonal competitive soups as they put their physical, sexual, and moral boundaries to the test, competing for the best contracts in the best cities uh the series is being developed by showrunners uh michelle fazekas and tara butters and it's also said to be a part college show part hunger games 
with all heart, satire, and the raunch of the boys. So let's let's take a listen to them uh, introducing it, and we'll talk about it afterwards. Here we go. Hi, fans of the boys. My name is Jazz Sinclair. This is Patrick Schwarzenegger here. My name is Lizzie Broadway. My name is Chance Perdomo. London Thor here. My name is AC Gurman. Hey, guys, it's Maddie. So I'm Derek Liu, and I am super excited to be a part of Gen V. Gen V. Gen V. Gen V. I am so excited to be a part of this show, and I'm so excited for you guys to watch it. It's got everything the boys has, the intensity, the grit, the humor. It's gonna be a roller coaster. It's gonna be filled with blood, guts, and everything else. It's fucked up, but you're gonna like it. There's love and beautiful relationships and tons of action and superheroes. With lots of hormones and drama and mystery. You are going to love our show. This will rock your socks off. Superheroes, college, what could go wrong? So my biggest problem is, is I don't see a difference at this point between the shows. And the reason why is because all the soups in the boys feel like they haven't left college. <laughs> so I'm not seeing the real difference in what they're really going to be doing. There's a lack of maturity in a lot of the soups in the boys universe. And, and yeah. So I'm not, I'm, just not getting well no no it's gonna it's gonna have a reality tv show vibe i think I in, compa- in comparison to the actual boys because here i mean that's what i get they're competing for the best contracts in the best cities you know that to me sounds like a reality tv show that but, could be kind of funny if that's what they end uh, up doing no i don't think they're going to be doing it a reality tv show they're gonna it's gonna be because they t- they've shown this in the boys already where they had a real, well, actually they did have a reality TV show to get into the seven. Yeah, they did. That could have been a. And so I could see the reality show now part yes, yes. that I really don't want. I thought it was kind of funny. Here's the thing about the boys. Uh, keep your finger on the fast forward button. You're going to see some things you probably don't want to see. So you can just doop, fast forward real quick. That's, that's, that's our tips. Otherwise, uh, the boys, what's fun about the boys is that it's it's such a different take on the uh, superhero universe sh- stories that we've seen over and over and over again, thanks to uh, the MCU and the DCEU, um, that sometimes it's kind of nice to see uh, more humanized uh, heroes that have problems and do stupid things and they're weaknesses come out (laughs) it it feels more of a realistic take on what would happen if people had superpowers it's it's scary (laughs) it's scary i'm glad we don't have superpowers in real life Uh, people people with morals and values need need uh, power and we've seen that power corrupts anyways uh uh, but what one thing i thought was interesting is like they've got Patrick Schwarzenegger. I think that's Arnold Schwarzenegger's son. Mm-hmm. And then they have somebody else in there in the cast named London Thor. Like we've I got saw Schwarz- that too. I was like, Yeah, we've got Schwartz. We got somebody named Schwarzenegger and Thor in in this as as the main characters. Like they like how do they find these people? Well, they, they can don't... always have um is Patrick Schwarzenegger. Right? Patrick Schwarzenegger. Patrick Schwarzenegger. They can always have his um character like character superhero name be Terminator. That'd be interesting. That'd just, be interesting. Just putting that out there. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh I don't know if I'm 
Maybe I'll watch it. Maybe I won't. I might give it a test run if I don't got anything else to watch. But I'm, as of right now, I'm not super hyped for this. Uh, unlike the next season of The Boys. Was it season four? Yeah. Yes. Season four looks like it will be good. Yes. I'm looking forward to that. All right. Moving on. Deadpool 3 writers is saying that Disney has been hands off and it will be a fish out of water story. So. Everything we've been hearing about the development of Deadpool 3 over the last few months has been exciting. Writers Reet Reese and Paul Wernick have been enjoying working on the script, and they've been uh, happy with the creative freedom that Marvel Studios and Disney's has given them. The writers have been continuing to provide updates on the film, and in their most recent interview with Discussing Film, they said, quote, uh, the studio, Disney, MCU, has been very hands-off and supportive of the vision. Quote, it's almost like putting on a comfy old sweater. Marvel's really given us the support to maintain the tone and the vision that we have for it. They've been very hands-off and supportive, but they've also let us, uh, but they've also, uh, let us do what we do. So really, it's, it's just been fun. We're mad scientists back in the laboratory again. Deadpool's our favorite hero, who will always be the character I think we were most associated with. And we're very grateful for being allowed to write him again. So it's a blast. It's like going back to school again after having summer off. It's pretty fun. It's a wonderful opportunity for a fish out of water story. Uh, Deadpool is a lunatic at the center of a movie. Uh, usually the lunatics are the supporting characters and the protagonist is reasonably sane. And our movie is flipped. To drop a lunatic into a very sane world, it's straight butter. It's going to be really fun, end quote. Okay, so I think this is going to be like he comes over from his universe into the MCU. I'm really hoping. Like, that just uh-huh. seems so much fun. <laughs> I, what I want to see, and this is from my brother, so hats, this is um, credit to my brother, Chris Jones. Um. What he would love to see is because Deadpool's infamous for breaking the fourth wall, right? Yeah. He wants to see him like doing his normal thing and he goes to swear and it gets bleeped out. And he's like, okay. And so he keeps trying to swear and he keeps getting bleeped out. And he looks at the camera and says, come on, Disney. Like, that's what (laughs) Yes, let's acknowledge the fact that Disney got Marvel and is paying the consequences for it. So that would, that would be funny. Yeah. That would be funny. (laughs) <laughs> what, 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 are you, what are you what's coming to hey, your um i i told you there's a bomb at the end of ms marvel and okay okay all right like i can't say anymore okie dokie so yeah so I very interesting I, I will say though that like with them saying like they're like disney and marvel's been very hands-off i'm like okay like that's what happened with wonder woman 1984 do we think that would be a problem? Okay, but this is the Deadpool writers, and I don't think there will be. Well, Mar- uh, Wonder Woman has Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four had the same folks. Uh, no, I, but this is there's diff- there's diff- there's different expectations going True. into a Wonder Woman than a Deadpool mm. film. A Deadpool film, you almost kind of expect for it to be. You expect uh, the insanity. You you expect you you expect it to be a little on the stupid side, and I say that with respect and reverence for and, Deadpool and, and love. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I say that with yeah, love for yeah. Deadpool. With yeah. Wonder Woman, you almost go in wanting a a 
story and a plot that moves the character forward. If anything, you expect the opposite from a Deadpool movie. <laughs> you want, like, you're going to take the character a few steps back. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, honestly, I'm I'm really hoping they get like um some of the Avengers in there to interact with Deadpool because that could be so fun. Yeah, absolutely. That would so, be fun. Oh, get get old Captain America. It's old that'd Steve be, Rogers. Like I want the elderly Steve Rogers in it. Like I, it, it could have um Falcon Captain America in it, but. Elderly Steve Rogers trying to explain to Deadpool what he's doing wrong. Oh, yeah. That would be funny. Lex- the lecture. That would be so fabulous. That'd be funny, yeah. No, I look forward to it. I, uh, I look forward to it for sure. So, All right, moving on. The upcoming Batgirl film will have a Batman the Animated Series tone. So Batgirl's director, Adil L. Arby... And Belial, F- F- oh my word, help me out, check it. <laughs> How do you say these names? Belial Falala. Sure. Anyways, they're the, they're the directors. Just Falala. <laughs> they recently opened up a bit about the upcoming DC film and teased what we can expect from its style and tone. Uh, this was, this was going to make Amanda happy. Before they jumped on board, uh, these two directors worked on Marvel's Miss Marvel series. And when comparing Batgirl to Miss Marvel, they explained that Batgirl is going to be a much darker tone. Uh, after all, Gotham City is a much darker and grittier place, so you'd expect that. So here's what they had to say. Quote, uh, the thing is that it's also an origin story, but obviously Batgirl is in Gotham City. So it's going to be a much darker film than Miss Marvel, and our main character is older. I mean, she's not a teenager. She already has a job. Uh, in the film, uh, Gore, Barbara Gordon is a uh, Gotham City police officer and the daughter of police commissioner Jim Gordon. Um, and when talking about this version of Gotham City and what we're going to see, they had to say, quote, I think that we're going, uh, I think that we're still going to try to have the same visual vibrancy that is our trademark, you could say. And homages uh, to the comic books, uh, homages to the uh, Batman animated series and the Tim Burton movies. So that's what we're trying to do with that. But obviously, it's going to be a bit darker than the Miss Marvel world, end quote. I find it funny they keep saying it's going to be a bit darker, but I guess you kind of need to give like new fan, like people new to the DCEU heads up on that. <laughs> Cause I just hear that. I'm like, Batman's just all around dark. But anyways, yeah. um, this like every time I, I get like an update on this Batgirl movie, the more I'm like, okay, yeah, I think I will take a big effort to go see yeah. this. Definitely interested, you know? Yeah. Um, Especially because I love, I grew up on the Batman animated series. Like I love it. So if you're going to, and and that's another thing where I'm like, Hey, if you're going to claim it's going to be like that, I have high expectations. Like, Oh yeah, for sure. I have super high expectations because I love that series. And that is the Batman series I compare all Batman to. So (laughs) it's like, you're making a very big gander. Like that, that's a very big thing to boast about (laughs) in my book. I think uh, 
I think most fans have uh, who love Batman grew up on uh, the animated series. Compare everything to it. I don't, why yeah, why'd that series work so well? So I, the do- sorry, go on, Amanda. The the darkness of the series it like really pulled you in. Um, I love like I always loved the tone of it. And then I learned that they did everything on black paper. Yeah. Yeah. yeah All the animation was done on black paper. And and I like the thing I liked about it too is that even though it was geared towards kids, like they weren't afraid to work in very, you know, adult themes into it. Cause like the thing that it was a few years ago, I was rewatching the series. My brother has the entire series on DVD. And uh, there was this episode that was dealing with just the, um, Falcone, I think it was. I think it was Falcone. It was just okay. focused on him. Um, or Falcone, sorry. Falcone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just focused on him. And, like, from that, you learned that, like, he had a brother. And he, he like, all throughout the, the episode, there's, like, all these flashbacks to, like, his brother being stuck on the track. Or, like, he's stuck on this train tracks, so the train's coming. And then you find out that his brother pushed him off, but his brother lost his leg in the process. And where Falcone went off to become a mobster his brother became a priest kind of thing. And like this episode, like kind of brings them together again. And like Batman was very in that episode, Batman was a side character. Like he was hardly in it at all. He was just like the driving force to bring Falcone to confront his brother. Cause he hadn't seen him in years. Fal- it, it is Falcone. Oh, it is Falcone. It is, okay. It is Falcone. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. So so that's what I liked so much about the animated series is like they worked, they weren't afraid to do things like that. And like, even in that episode, they addressed like drug and drug rehab. Like it was, it was just yeah. so real. And like, it didn't growing up in the 90s. Like they were, yeah. It didn't treat kids like they were stupid. It treated them yeah. like they could understand. Exactly. Yeah. Like it really, it like, yeah, it was educational. <laughs> I don't know. Huh. <laughs> in a way, it was just kind of like, here's emotions and i think that's that's why i liked it so much because like you know batman's all about dealing with like the psyche kind of thing yeah. and like the human psyche and like they brought they did a good job of doing that in the animated series so yeah Indeed. high expectation if you're gonna claim it's gonna be the tone of the 90s it's like hey expectations are up here challenge accepted indeed i look forward to it i'm i'm looking forward to it uh the more I, the more I read about it. So, all right, moving on. So, Marvel Studios is saying that the MCU's Phase Four's central theme is guilt, consequences, and all reactions. So, so far, the films and shows of Marvel's Phase Four has kind of been met with different reactions from the fans. It didn't, you know, some people say maybe it doesn't quite feel as uh, uh streamlined as what marvel's put out so far uh kevin feige's actually gone on and uh said that marvel's phase four is intended to feel unique and different uh but marvel phase four producer richie palmer actually discussed the theme of marvel's phase four on a interview recently and when asked if the theme is about guilt and consequences palmer confirmed that it is and then went on to say it's quote all a reaction so here's what he has to say quote 100 because phase four is all a reaction 
And I don't mean on our parts as filmmakers. I mean the characters. It's a reaction to the trauma of Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. We're still feeling those effects in these movies years later. Palmer then went on to say that there is something uh, that this is something he spoke to Elizabeth Olsen about in regards to Wanda's journey, saying, quote, it's also something we spoke to Elizabeth Olsen about every step of the way that for her, Wanda's full journey is leading to a moment of accountability. And we think she's gotten there. Um, the producer then added that phase four explores a lot of the characters reactions uh, to what happens when you lose everything. For example, he, he talked about Peter Parker saying, quote, I also saw a meme the other day. It was comparing her, uh, Wanda, to Peter Parker. What happens when you lose everything? You know, some people handle it differently than others. Peter Parker drove into the persona of Spider-Man at the end of No Way Home. He's completely let the Spider-Man persona take over as a response to his loss and his trauma. For Peter, of course, being Spider-Man means going and being the biggest hero of all time. Wanda's version was also leaning solely into being the Scarlet Witch, which what we found out from Agatha and uh, the Darkhold through Wanda's self-discovery, that that's the opposite. She becomes the worst villain of all time, the destroyer of worlds. She's aware now, oh, I'm supposed to be this god. I've always known this kind of under the surface, but it it's now been told to me. Now, my way of dealing with my loss and trauma is going full in to what I am, which is the Scarlet Witch. So I'm going to be that. Of course, in our movie, she's like, I don't want to be that. I want to be with my kids. So leave me alone. But I'm just letting you know that I am the Scarlet Witch. So don't mess with me. <coughs> As for the unifying themes of Phase 4, Palmer also shared that it's our heroes coming into their own and figuring out their place in the world. Quote, it's interesting, whether it's Spider-Man or the Scarlet Witch or Black Widow after Civil War, this phase does feel like it's about our heroes coming into their own, on their own, all figuring out their places in the world. And a lot of them are lonely now because of the losses suffered during those Avenger movies, end quote. So I think phase four is really important as a rebuilding phase. As okay, so it's we went we hit the climax in the last Avengers movie. Yeah, the, okay. We hit the climax, and now we have to start rebuilding to the next climax. But I don't know. I don't, it's okay. They literally, I've I've I was reading some stuff about how they were comparing the MCU to the comic books and the comic books do this all the time where they build up to these big, like intercomic. Yeah. No, I, events. Yeah. And then they have to start rebuilding all over again. And you don't have that same like heightened sense because they have to rebuild to a new climax. No, I get that, but it doesn't feel like they're re really building anything. It, That's, the stories feel like they're doing that. a handoff. Like, yeah, it's like a handoff, a reaction. They, Why can't they introduce the main plot point that they're going to go towards while exploring the consequences? So that's the complaint of having it not streamlined enough. Yeah. That, that, that is what you're saying there. They're trying to build a bigger universe. And so to do that, they have to do some handoffs. 
They have to introduce new characters that aren't getting handed off. I, um, well, we'll talk more about it as we talk about Thor, but they, they've got to flesh out these reactions. Like people have to, like they have to have time to deal with what just happened. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't want 15 movies and TV shows to explore that. They can, they can wrap that whole thing up in like a TV series. And then let's move on to the next Avengers but level. Each Infinity of the War characters have different reactions and, and different parts to their stories of what's happening yeah, to them. That doesn't mean I want to watch all of it. They can explore all that in uh, in, a, in a, in a series. So you didn't like watching um, Loki's consequences. Loki's consequences weren't weren't in result to uh, Endgame. The, Lo, Loki had consequences to his actions, uh, and I liked that. Look, Loki was good, but it was not it was not on par with anything really before it. I liked I liked the unified, universal, uh, cinematic universal theme of let's build towards a big baddie in the Infinity Gauntlet, and and I. I think that's what fans don't see right now is like, what are we really exploring overall in these connective films and stories? What are we building towards? Because uh, it, it it feels very, it, it, it's exactly that. It feels very lonely. Everybody's doing their own thing with no real like consequences. Uh, or, no, there or, or, are or, or lots no, of consequences sorry. happening. I use the wrong word. I use the wrong. There, they, everybody's lonely doing their own thing without, without a need for a crossover and um it, it, they're just crossing over for the sake of crossing over but but in the uh, in all the other films like you could see how the crossover builds up to the infinity war so um right now the crossover is just to watch people be lonely and complain which i'm sorry is not in and of itself really super interesting so what i you haven't seen Ms. Marvel yet, so there's like this really important thing there <laughs> that I could say. Stop! <laughs> so irritated because I see what they're building towards okay. with the last few things, and it doesn't make sense without the end of Ms. Marvel. Okay, well. Hold on to it. Hold that yes. thought. So, so it sounds like we maybe need to put a bookmark in this conversation and pick it up with Miss Marvel. But Jekka, it looked like you were going to say something. I cut you off. I was just like, you know, hearing both of you go back and forth on this. I'm like, yeah, it's like, because I kind of like seeing that, hey, these are superheroes that are dealing with very real emotional situations. You know, it's like we're dealing with PTSD and like, you know, deafness and um depression like i like it how they're incorporating those things it's like yeah they had a very traumatic event they're not just gonna brush that off like here's how they're dealing with it um and i especially like wanda with like i, I always like the arc where it's the character goes the opposite way that you would want them where instead yeah. of being like oh i can you know instead of becoming an even better hero like peter parker she totally went like i'm gonna do whatever i can to get that my family back and I yeah, don't care who's yeah. standing in my way. Like, no one's standing in my way, you know? I always like that when they do the opposite. The, the way that you're like, they know deep down it's not right, but they're doing it anyways. Like, I like that. But at the same time, I'm very much like, 
if that's where you're going, why does everything feel like a handoff? Because, like, a handoff tells me that you're trying to move on to something else, but at the same time, I'm in, I'm personally enjoying seeing how these heroes are growing and learning to deal with these emotion, the emotional side of trauma, you know, like how they're so, dealing with trauma. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm sitting. I would argue that they're getting away from the handoffs because Ms. Marvel is not Captain Marvel. There's no handoff there happening. Um, Thor Love and Thunder was not a handoff. Yeah, we'll and- get into that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I think we're just still holding on to just how badly it felt with Hawkeye, that handoff there, wow. and then the handoff for Falcon America and So here here's here's the here's a big issue that I don't I don't hear anybody talking about and I don't we haven't talked about it. And and I'm gonna I'm gonna raise the topic of conversation. Um the Marvel comics could do things like this because uh, the character, the the biggest characters they have, Spider-Man, the X-Men, Iron Man, all of them, you know, they can continue to reuse those exact same characters. But in the MCU, they can't reuse those same characters because they don't want to pay Robert Downey Jr. a whole bunch of money and Chris Evans wants to be done. And and so we're, we're losing, we're losing the biggest draw to the the stories we're losing the biggest characters because of the mcu doesn't have the same actors and so so as we start to rebuild towards another big event infinity war like event are we gonna are we gonna honestly care as much because we're not gonna have iron man we're not gonna have uh you know the original well, Captain America. And that's why they're trying to do emotional handoffs. So we emotionally tie yeah. ourselves to the new characters. But I don't, I really don't think our, our emotional investment is going to be nearly as deep in some of these, and let's be honest, uh, these B and C level heroes as some of the A-list heroes. So our daughter is extremely emotionally invested in Ms. Marvel. Like extremely emotionally yeah, invested. I know. I yeah. and it's not necessarily all about us being emotionally invested. It's about getting young kids emotionally invested in the new characters, so that way they continue buying Marvel yes. merchandise. But <laughs> I mean, sound like you were going to say a different word there. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. But let's, I mean, let's be honest. Let's take let's take Ant Man. Can Ant Man drive an entire MCU universe forward in the same way Iron Man did? I don't think so. Can can so nobody okay? For let's that. put it this way. Nobody thought Iron Man well, that, could drive an, the MCU universe. That is true. Before he did. Okay. See, I think Ant-Man can only do it if he's with the Ghostbusters. <laughs> running against Lester. I don't know. Look, <laughs> look. I, I, I hear what you're bringing up. I hear like what you're bringing up in, in, in response to my question on if, if we're going to be running into issues, I think is valid. 
but but I I don't think the definitive answer is out there yet. Okay, I think we really need to move on because okay. I all have right, so right. many things I can say, but you guys are not up to date on MCU. All right, all right. Let's let's move on. Let's move on. Okay, NASA's James Webb Telescope has released its first images. So NASA has released the first stunning, awe-inspiring photos from deep space shot by the James Webb Space Telescope. The very first image shows off distant galaxies billions of light years away, and they're at, it's absolutely beautiful. Uh, NASA says the dawn of a new era in astronomy has begun as the world gets its first look at the full capabilities of James Webb Space Telescope, a partnership with the European Space Agency and the Canadian Space Agency. The telescope's first full-color images and spectroscopic data were released during a televised broadcast on Tuesday, July 12th from NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center in Greenbelt, Maryland. Uh, these listed targets uh, in the images represent the first wave of full-color scientific images in a spectra the observatory has gathered and the official beginning of Webb's general science operations. They were uh, selected by an international committee of representatives from NASA, ESA, CSA, and the Space Telescope Science Institute. So the very first image that they released was actually a image of a ton of various galaxies, thousands of them. These aren't stars. These are galaxies. And every single one of these is a galaxy. And what's, what's crazy about this image, I think it's the very last uh, image on there, Jekka. Uh, or no, it's the, uh, it's second, the second image. One. Yeah. What's crazy about this image is this image shows off all these various galaxies. They're not stars. But what NASA has explained is that if you took a single grain of sand and you were laying down on the, uh, the ground and you held that grain of sand at arm's length, what we see in this James Webb photo is, is that grain of sand. But that grain of sand from the telescope picks up thousands of these galaxies. And what's so cool is that the, uh, the image that we get like shows these galaxies like space and time. Uh, gravity is deforming what we see. And so some of these galaxies are like kind of wibbly wobbly looking. Um, uh, it's just, it's, it's amazing to, to see some of these, uh, like there's gotta be life out there. There's gotta be it. How could, how can you not look at these galaxies? Think about our own galaxy and just think that there's nothing else out there. I don't know. I don't know. What, what, yeah. what, do, you, what do you, what do you think of Jekka? No, it's definitely mind boggling. Um, one of my friends, like. Because I have a friend who's um, getting his master's degree, or he has his master's degree in planetary yeah. science. He just graduated this spring semester. Um, but yeah, he was when this was released, he was super excited, and he had like, if you take these images, especially the one of all those galaxies, and put it next to a similar photo that the Hubble telescope like took, yeah, like, the resolution is phenomenal. And like, even oh, yeah. on my phone, because he sent me like. I'm in a group chat with him and a bunch of other friends and he was sending these pictures to us. And even like on my phone, as I was zooming in, like you can still see more as you're zooming in. Like, Oh yeah. I am like, it is like and, this. And I have zoomed in. 
this telescope is um like i'm super excited to see what else they do with this telescope what else they see like just that resolution and how crisp it is like oh this is so cool so uh, photos of all the nebulas like yes astronomers are going to be able to get so much data with these clear uh, images and being able to see even better into the nebulas like that is amazing my uh, my favorite of these is that top photo, the Carina Nebula that you just brought up. Um, it is this picture. I'm sure people have seen it. It's it's the whole bottom half has like this gaseous nebula, and the top half is like crystal clear with all the different stars, galaxies, whatever they are. And uh, there's a uh, little um, uh, description that NASA put out on that. I'm, I'm going to read that. So. Uh, this is the Carina Nebula. There's going to be links to all this in the, in the podcast show notes, by the way. Uh, this landscape of mountains and valleys speckled with glittered stars is actually the edge of a nearby young star-forming region called NGC 3324 in the Carina Nebula. Captured in infrared light by NASA's new James Webb Space Telescope, the image reveals for the first time previously invisible areas of star birth. So we've never been able to see uh, a star being born quite like this. Called the Cosmic Cliffs, Webb's seemingly three-dimensional picture looks like craggy mountains on a moonlit evening. In reality, it is the edge of the giant gaseous cavity within NGC 3324, and the tallest peaks in this image are about seven light years in height. That's crazy to think of. Seven light years in height. The uh, the cavernous area has been carved from the nebula by the intense ultraviolet radiation and the stellar winds from extremely massive hot young stars located in the center of the bubble above the area shown in this image. What mind-bogglingly awesome. That's so amazing. Well, and like the last photo you have on here, that looks yeah. like, it looks like galaxies. Like you're getting a good look at some galaxies there. Yes. And it's just like amazing. That yeah, we that, can that is one, see. two, three, four, five. Yeah. That's five just galaxies beautiful. right there. Yeah, uh, that is just absolutely beautiful. Like now, this is you, so cool. If you look at the, uh, so so the one on the left uh is is the galaxy closest to us you look at the other ones they're furthest away and you look you look at and and you and you can tell because there's there's more detail in that galaxy with all the uh, various stars or solar Mm -hmm. systems that we're looking at in the galaxy popping out yeah they call that the uh stefan's quintet uh in fact i'll just i'll read the definition uh the description that nasa released uh stefan's quintet a visual grouping of five galaxies is best known for being prominently featured in the holiday classic film, It's a Wonderful Life. Today, NASA's James Webb Space Telescope reveals uh, Stefan's Quintet in a new light. The enormous mosaic is Webb's largest image to date, covering about one-fifth of the moon's diameter. It contains over 150 million pixels and is constructed from almost 1,000 separate image files. The information from Webb's from web provides new insights into how galactic interactions may have driven gal- galaxy evolution in early in the early universe with its powerful infrared vision and extremely high spatial resolution web's 
Web shows never before seen detail in this galaxy group, sparkling clusters of millions of young stars and starburst regions of fresh star birth grace the image, sweeping tails of gas, dust, and stars are being pulled from several of the galaxies due to gravitational interactions. Most dramatically, Webb captures huge shock waves as one of the galaxies, NGC 7318b, smashes through the cluster. So we're seeing shock waves from, from galaxies colliding. That is crazy. Oh, that is amazing. Cool stuff. I'm excited to see more. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, I think I think that one of the Karina Nebula I was talking about earlier, that's going to be either a backdrop on my phone or uh, on the computer soon. <laughs> Anyways, we could we could talk about this forever, but we got we got to get into some uh, some Thor Love and Thunder. So let, let's jump into it. We had our honeymoon on Alderaan. Good thing we took pictures, huh? <laughs> Shut up, Wesley. You have no idea what you're dealing with. Uh, Shakespeare in the Park. And that bell means it is time for our main event for Love and Thunder Nerd <laughs> These hounds were once used for battle. Now they're but humble tools for peace. I need to figure out exactly who I am. Who I am. I want to choose my own path. Live in the moment. Superheroing days are over. Remember what I told you. You ever feel lost? Just look into the eyes of the people that you love. me what just listening all right hey special shout out to all you super nerds who have hit that podcast subscribe button we really Really appreciate you. Please help us get the word out like Jekka and Amanda have done recently. Uh, help us get the word out. Tell a friend about the podcast. And I want to invite you to hit that podcast subscribe button if you haven't done so already. Come on, do it. You'll get plus 10 Nerd XP. Nerd XP. All right. Thor Love and Thunder. So obviously uh, uh, Bob and Brady aren't here with us this week. Uh, they couldn't join us. Bob said real quick. He loved it, but he said it was a little too slapstick for my taste. Was it too much slapstick? I mean, Taika Waititi directed uh, Ragnarok too, right? 
that was also fairly slapstick. Yeah, it was, but it wasn't anymore. Everybody says Ragnarok was the best, though. I don't know. I, this, I was just like, it, it was Taika Waititi. Like, that, that's yeah. his style. He likes to be a little slapstick. He likes to throw in slapsticky things. Yeah. And so that was like, yeah. It had a lot. It I, had that. It was like, it was very Taika Waititi. Yeah. <laughs> and I've been watching a lot of his yeah. stuff lately. You know, this is, this has been getting beat up a little bit in the, in, fa- in fandom online. And on the other side, people have also been saying they, they, they enjoyed it. Like it's, I don't really see how this is any worse uh, than Ragnarok in uh, people for, for, from from the point of view of people that don't like this uh, this movie, uh, and I don't think it was that I don't think it was bad at all. I, like I enjoyed it, but like for those that didn't like it, like I don't understand how uh, how this is bad and Ragnarok was one of the best. So I, I absolutely adored how they incorporated the Mighty Thor. I thought that that was so incredibly well done. And I love the show of the sacrifice she makes in order to have those powers to help save. Um, save Thor. Let's be honest. She saves his butt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she, she does. And it, it's part of how much she cares. Like she couldn't before stand where he stood and be with him, which is why they show that whole breakup montage is she couldn't be there with him because she didn't have those powers. But with those powers, it enabled her to be where she wanted to be and be able to do things she wanted to do. Really? You you liked how she was portrayed? Huh? I, I, I had mixed feelings because she also kind of came off as a little bit of a doofus, especially in comparison to previous films where she's like this brilliant scientist. And now she's like fumbling with, her catchphrase is like oh. um as a scientist can i say she is very much how a scientist would act if they got superpowers her catchphrasing okay. thing i was like yes girl because yes. <laughs> let me tell you when you talk to scientists we like this nerdy stuff we do and we would come we talk about like i mean me and my friends we talk about all the time like what kind of superpowers we would have and I mean, I've never gone as far as figure out my catchphrase, but like watching her trying to come up with a catchphrase, I was like, yeah, what would my catchphrase be? Like, I, I, that to me was scientist because scientists, like a many, many scientists, like if anything, I felt like the way that Jane was portrayed in this film was how she should have been in Thor Dark World. Because I hated mm-hmm. Thor Dark World because she was just, to pull the coin from the Disney movie Hercules, she was a basic DID. She was a damsel in distress. She was just standing around not doing anything. She had this intense, immense power in her and she wasn't doing a thing with it and just letting everyone, like, like she wasn't doing things. And I, and like, that's what I hated about it because I was like, she's a freaking scientist. She would not be sitting by and letting events go by her. Like, she would be in the thick yeah. of things. And that's what I liked about Thor Love and Thunder is that she was going in. She was like, I'm fighting, even though it's eating up my body and it's speeding up the cancer. Like, I'm actually doing something. 
you know, and the then she's other, like, I'm going to make a catchphrase, you know, like it was the, very, I loved it. <laughs> the other part of the catchphrase is she is very much a scientist as she knows she's dying. What is yeah. she going to be remembered for? What exactly. can be her catchphrase? Something to remember her. Yeah. And to jump ahead, like, was I really eat, loved. Eat my that, hammer. Yeah. The eat that, my hammer. But I loved well, it okay. even before that. My actual favorite part know. before that was when she was like, I am not Lady Thor. I am either Mighty Thor or Dr. Jane Foster. And I was like, yes, girl. Yes. <laughs> and then she said, eat my hammer. I was like, to me, that whole thing was her catchphrase. <laughs> but yeah. But no, uh, I, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I you know I, I I am a little surprised because in times past you guys complain that women aren't p- portrayed very well and and you always talk about the physicality and all that stuff or and then no 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 big biceps it no 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 but but like I don't know I felt like she was almost degraded and just like spending half the, half of her time on the screen trying to figure out what her catchphrase is like yeah what, what should i do this should i do that or should i, do, I so what, what but, I, but but if you i mean you're obviously both women if you guys weren't offended by that but somehow i i was then <laughs> then i guess i'm gonna i'm gonna like step back and say you guys are you know have a more valid opinion than I I'm do. just like I just saw me on the screen in her role I was like I would be doing that like I would be trying to come up with a catchphrase I would be excited with my first villain and like let's be honest um I thought Gore he was pretty gnarly I was like I liked him way more than I felt like he was a very bigger threat than Thanos I was like he was a force to be reckoned yeah. with. like kind of if anything I kind of wish we had more of that struggle of Thor and Jane and Mighty Thor trying to stop him. I kind of wish we had seen yeah. more of that. Because I felt yeah. like there was a lot of time wasted in like the whole thing with Zeus. I was like, I felt like that was needlessly too long. That was to bring I in Hercules, to... I think. Yeah. Because well, that's another cool. Thor story in the comics. Yeah. The gore the god gore the god butchered christian bale oh he did such a phenomenal yes. job <laughs> uh, i have a, i have a man crush on christian bale i've had that crush for like i don't know 20 years or whatever uh anyways my if favorite had, actor if i if it wasn't for this podcast and talking about this and like saying like christian bale's gonna be this person i would not have guessed that was christian bale like he did such a they, good job he uh the the opening with uh with him and his uh daughter dying and then him meeting the god that he worshiped like that whole scene like is why they i think they brought out you know somebody with the acting chops of christian bale to like really sell that scene because in all honesty like out of every scene in the movie that's the one that sticks with me the most i enjoyed that scene immensely and uh and, and it really gives you like a good uh, indication of what his motivation was, and and maybe he was uh, in some ways, you know, right for what he thought about, especially since this god was so selfish. Honestly, I had no problem with his plan. <laughs> I had no problem that, with what he was doing. And that's what makes a good villain. <laughs> Yeah. And 
what I loved though at the end was Thor saying, "You want to wish like the death on all these deities, all these people." When really the only thing you really want is your daughter back. Why don't yeah. you just wish for her? And 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 it was interesting because I, I was thinking about that in the middle of the movie and I was like, eh, it's kind of like a really, really big suspension of disbelief that they're asking the audience. And then they did flip it at the end. And I was like, that's perfect. And yeah. uh, and that's right in line with Gore the God Butcher. And I think, I mean, Christian Bale sold it. Uh, he sold he sold every angle of his character in a way that um, some, sometimes the MCU's villains are a little one dimensional, and and he sh- he showed depth to the character, and I wish they had more and and bring him back in some way. They they, they could have cut idea. this movie, and I would have definitely been like, yes, please take my money twice, like please, yeah, yeah. great. Yeah, no, I I really like that at the end when um. Even Thor, I really liked how Thor's reaction to when they got to eternity and Gore's there about to make his wish and he just like turns and walks away and Gore's like, aren't you going to stop me? He's like, no, the woman I love's dying. Why would I mess with you? I want to be with her. You know, yeah. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was really like, I don't care. Go ahead. Kill all the gods. I don't care. Like, I'm going to spend time with her, you know, and. I felt like that was very moving, considering Gore's yeah. intentions. Yeah, I. Um, what would you guys think of of? Um, oh, I'm having a brain fart. Well, I don't know. Come back to me. <laughs> so I am excited for the actor they've picked to play Hercules. Oh, yeah. He plays Roy Kent in Ted Lasso. On Apple TV Plus. And I'm super excited to see what he does with Hercules. He he's a little on the small side for Hercules. He needs to buff up big time between then and now, though. Okay. I he th- does. I, I said okay. I didn't disagree. I don't know why you're emphatically Going know. after me. Your okay had a hint of of invalidation to it, so I wanted to, you know, really hammer I, it home. I, I didn't disagree. He <laughs> <laughs> is the muscly Hercules I always imagine. I'm like, I don't see what more he needs. He, but he's also That's Greek, cool. and Greeks also have that athletic look to them, yeah, as opposed to just muscle. Effort. Yeah, he he had a very athletic, not bodybuilder, look, and, and that that is Greek. That is so Greek. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger played Hercules in his first movie ever, Hercules in New York, which was uh, really a terrible movie. Uh, watch watch the trailer on YouTube and then and then skip the movie. So, yeah. <laughs> So, oh, we had the Guardians of the Galaxy in the film at the beginning. Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah, what, yeah. Um, Thor's Can I say, like I really... This... Oh, go, go on. Ahead. I was going to say, I really enjoyed that scene when they're, like, fighting, and they're like, Thor, we need you, and he comes in, and he's just like, you know, kiss <laughs> butt, but then he destroys the temple in the process. <laughs> and the people are like, please get out. Like, oh, my gosh, I was laughing so hard. Like, when the temple crumpled, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> like oh my gosh that was really funny oh <laughs> uh, yeah and then uh like their main priest dude was like trying to show gratitude without 
like slipping into you know hysteria yeah he was he was pretty <laughs> much like just, anger. Leave. just get out go go <laughs> we don't need those anymore. those screaming goat horses whatever those things were oh my word dude <laughs> i loved the screaming goats so, i loved them i watched this video it was um steve colbert interviewed um uh taika watiti and that was something that yeah. taika watiti said is he wanted to draw in more norse mythology and like in norse mythology thor has two goats with him oh really and he what he does is like that he lives off of them so he like kills them and eats them and they come back the next day oh so, really so taika watiti like when the two goats showed up i was like oh there's the goats like there's thor's yeah. goats so i thought that huh. was i thought that was a very clever way of bringing in a, a actual bit of norse mythology that is yeah yeah so uh one thing i was surprised about is that yeah we didn't have a mcu phase four handoff film uh mighty thor passed away and i i got no idea what to expect with uh more thor movies coming out uh what 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 do you see thor doing in the mcu moving forward i haven't even thought about this because i just thought it was a foregone conclusion that he was done so what i think is going to be interesting is he is going to be raising this girl and she's oh, going to be with yeah. him now as part of a team with him. Yes. And that is going to be interesting to see what her powers are. I loved how he was coaching her there at the end. And he's all like, okay, you've got to protect the weaker people. And, you know, it's going to be really important to, like, stop the bullies. And you're, like, yeah. expecting her to go to school. And then they just go to a battlefield. And you're like, yeah! He goes running in with Mjolnir. <laughs> Yeah, and what's cool about that is it's completely in alignment with what uh, Gore would 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 want, not just from his for his daughter, but from from his his god that he was worshiping. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That, that's pretty cool. Um, so, so you so you foresee more movies with the two of them teaming up? Um, for for a little while, and then maybe she'll get her own movie eventually. I don't. I don't know how long they'll have Thor. Yeah, because I, I. I don't know. Uh, do the comics say anything about her? I don't know if she's in. Like, if she's in the comics with Thor, I. I don't know much about that. Um, though I have to comment how much I loved, loved the music choices yeah. for Thor: Love and Thunder. I'm a huge Guns and Roses fan. Oh yeah, and. Like they were just like they would play like just little sound bites that didn't even have any words to it. I'm like, I know that song. Well, I loved it that like Axel, you know, I'm yeah. I'm, oh, man, I'm getting names mixed up. But like, I loved it that he was obsessed with Guns N' Roses. Like he had all the posters. I thought that was yeah. so funny that like well, he too liked Guns N' Roses because like, he had all that all those posters in his room. Like I was like, that's so, cool. What was funny is like. Thor was all like, why don't you like your, like, Norse name? And what's really weird is Axel is also a Norse name. So, like, that didn't make sense to me. Well, but it did make sense that he likes the name. name. I, I didn't catch that he said Norse name. I thought he said, like, your given name. Like, he didn't I like don't his know. name. It, so yeah. He to be Axel Maybe that is, and I just misinterpreted it in my mind afterwards. So, uh, and going going back to the uh, 
future of Thor moving forward. Uh, you know, at the very end, they had the Thor will return at the end of the credits. And uh, apparently that was a surprise to uh, Chris Helmsworth and Taika Waititi. They didn't know about that. And uh, Taika, I'm reading here, Taika Waititi uh, actually shared a reaction to that in, in an interview. And Taika said, quote, well, guess what? That was a surprise to me, too. I'm not joking. I saw it in the theaters and I was like, oh, really? Even Chris was like, what? But of course he'll be back. He's the best character. I mean, I I may be a little biased, but he's the, the most fun to watch. Now, when talking about if he would come back to do another one, this is what Taika Waititi said, quote, now I don't know what would be next. I would definitely do one, but only if Chris did it. But it would need to be something surprising and unexpected for me to want to do it. Like what would be the new take? The battles and all the fighting is fine, but I would want something that feels unexpected when it comes to the story, like making just a $5 million movie with no fighting at all. Just Thor on a road trip like Nebraska. <laughs> End quote. Or on a road trip with his daughter. <laughs> That'd be great. Thor on a road trip with his daughter. Oh, man. I don't even know what to say about that. <laughs> I kind of want, I'm like, I want Loki to somehow come back. Well, it's it's got to be a Thor versus Hercules movie. Or it, it that that's what they're pulling towards. Yeah, and that's from the comic books, and we'll see how that goes. And hopefully Loki comes back for it because, or or maybe we'll get um, oh, what was her name? Um, a female Loki. Um, oh yes, whatever her name is. Yeah, but what she would be fun. Sylvia. I want to so say I'm wondering. Sylvia. That's it, Sylvia. Sylvia, yes. Sylvia showed up. That'd be awesome. That would be so. Oh, I would love that. I would love it if Sylvia showed up. That would be so, awesome. So, 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 so we're we're thinking a Thor versus Hercules movie. We've got now. Is is a little girl named Thunder? No, or, she is love. She's okay. love. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> All right. So we've got we've got love. I think love. Yeah, she could be a sidekick for a while. But then we had the other end credit scene. We've got Jane Foster showing up in Valhalla and uh, seeing the dude with the eyes. What's his name? Heimdall. Heimdall. Heimdall that, yeah. was, that was to give closure to her character. Now, you don't think yeah, they may be trying to, to you don't think they're maybe trying to say that maybe they'll bring uh, people back from Valhalla in some way? No. I will say this. I do like, wonder about that cuz I don't like know if you've read the Magnus Chase books, but it's the like a spin-off series to the Percy Jackson books. That that's a I highly recommend them, by the way. Um Magnus Chase. It's a trilogy by Rick Riordan. Um in that one, I kind of was like, oh, I wonder if they can like kind of play on how Rick Riordan did that a little bit. Because how he does it is like when you die and you go to Valhalla, you can come back to the real world. Like you can return back to yeah. the world, but you have to be careful because if you die again, then you're gone. Like you just dissolve into dust. You're never returning to Valhalla kind of thing. So no, uh, I think they were just giving closure. Yeah, I, I, I like know. it as closure. I don't know. I mean, I'm okay if it's just closure, but it was one of those things that yeah. I was like, Ooh, are they going to go like Magnus chase route? But if they don't like, I'm fine. I like the closure because when she turned into dust and glittered away, I was like, Hey, she's going to Valhalla. So it was nice to be oh. like, yep, it. And just so you know, I'm biting my tongue because I have things to say because Alrighty. it's Marvel that I can't say. Well, you'll be able to say them next week. 
All right, final thoughts on Thor Love and Thunder. Um, I thought it was just absolutely fa- fabulous. I loved it. I think I, I feel like it's another uh, MCU popcorn movie, just something to have fun with, which seems to be what most MCU movies are to me in shows, and that's fine. Um, they do an excellent job of giving you a recap, so you can go right into this movie having not seen any of the other oh, four yeah. movies. Yeah. They do a very good job with that. Yeah, very they do. <laughs> oh, I, I thought they had Matt Damon to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sheesh almighty. Uh, yeah. 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 Very fun stuff. It's good Very stuff. fun. It's, yeah. I like it. I recommend it. It was fun. I liked watching it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, folks. Thanks so much for joining us on another adventure of Super Nerd Podcast. Make sure to hit that podcast subscribe button and leave us a review wherever you're listening to us. Subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor, Pocket Cast, YouTube, or wherever else you find us. Next week, we are talking Miss Marvel, which according to Amanda is utterly mind-blowingly awesome at the end all right well we'll finally get to uh add to our conversation here next week so if you've had a chance to see miss marvel make sure to leave us a voicemail with your thoughts at anchor.fm slash super nerd podcast you just might be on the upcoming show you can also email us some thoughts to super podcast at gmail.com or find us on facebook instagram twitter Search Super Nerd Podcast. Give us a like. Give us a share. But from all of us at Super Nerd Podcast, stay nerdy, my friends. Have fun.